0: You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc 123 com. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 again. Romans 12 as we continue. Uh, just so happens, I think that this message that we're going to talk about today, it's a part one, I should have put that up there, it's part one of a series that we're going to do in Romans 12, 9 through 21. But I think our subject today, because here's something I don't do, I don't know if you all have noticed this, usually Christmas, sometimes Easter, I don't do thematic sermons. I just keep going in our exposition because every week there's something different. It's going to be something different. So let's stand together. Read into verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Now those are the verses we're going to try to cover today, but let's read on uh, in it. Bless those who persecute you. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And the Lord will add the blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. In verses 1 through 8, we saw how we are to serve the Lord in the church, how we are members of the church. And that means more than just joining a club. I'm going to talk about that a little more today. Uh, It is a serious business to be a part of, to join a church, and also in leaving a church, too. Because a church is not, as we're going to le- learn today, it is not a a uh, club. It's a family. It's a family. You don't leave your family. You don't dishonor your family. Uh, you, you know, uh, if I left my family every time one of my brothers and I had, and sisters had a fight, I, I'd have left a lot. Right? How many of y'all could testify the same thing? You know... If my mother would have abandoned me every time I disobeyed her and made her mad, well, I wouldn't have had a, a mama since the age of three, right? We're going to look at that today. But we saw how we use our spiritual gifts in the church, right? And so he says, here's what you have for me. Here's what you are, members in the body. And here is what you are now, what we're fixing to talk about. Here's what you do. This is Why? Verses 1 through 8, we see how we are to serve in the church. And verses 9 through 21, and uh, in particular today, 9 through 13, we see why we are to serve in that manner. Number one, family favor. This is why we are to serve in the manner that he said in verses 1 through 8. Number one, we need to have family favor. Let me just put it plainly before I go on to my subpoints. You ought to love each other in this church. It, and by the way, and I know sometimes a church can get large and there's just, a, you have circles you run in and age groups you run in. But I want to, let me tell you young people here, youth, uh, you listen to me. If you see an older person in this church and you say to yourself, I really don't know them, guess what? That's probably the Lord doing that so you will go over and get to know them. Right? You say we have an age gap only because we're disobedient. Hang on just a minute. Amen, Brother Ron, that's good preaching. (laughs) Did you hear me? The only age gap we have is because we're disobedient. And, and older folks, let me tell you something, you ought to be the leaders. You're the one that ought to be going to the young people and be a blessing to them and getting to know them, right? You say there's an age gap. That's because they know things you don't. And they know what's important and what's not. And they have laid down some things that you think are important, but you'll find out as you get older it's not necessarily as important as you thought they would be. You need to know the older folks in our church and the middle folks in our church, and the younger folks in our church. You ought to love the congregation God has put you in. Say amen. Amen. All right. That's good. That was great. Let me give you a few things. Number one, he says uh, to have true love. Look at verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, love sincerely Love truly. Have true love. I want to tell you something. You cannot gauge whether someone loves you or not by how they say they love you. Just because somebody says, I love you, doesn't mean they love you. You know, we see this. Hollywood teaches this. Well, I, I love my husband, but I just can't live with him anymore. I'm going to leave him. Then you never loved him in the first place. I'm leaving my wife and my family because I just, I want something else to do. I want more. There's got to be more out there. There's not. The grass is never greener on the other side. And you don't love your family. Love and leave can't be in the same breath. He says love without hypocrisy. Have true love. Here's an example of hypocritical or insincere love. Let me read it for you. It's in James 2, 15. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give, you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what good is that? What use is that? What kind of love is that? Now, in context, he's talking about faith. But I want to tell you something. If you have faith in Jesus, you will naturally have love. And so, to say you love somebody and yet know that they have a need and you don't fulfill it, say, well, Brother I'm. if it's a financial need, I'm broke. Find someone that's not and say, hey, this brother over here needs a help. Somebody needs some help with a carpentry and You know how to do it. Show up on their doorstep in the morning at 6 in the morning. Well, no, don't no, 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 Show up when they say it's time to work. Have you ever bragged about the Amish? How many of you ever heard about the Amish? You bragged on the Amish because when somebody has a house to build, they all come together and get it done, and all the Amish come together and build houses. How many of you ever heard about that and how they do that? Isn't that admirable? Why do the Amish are the only ones have to do that? What's wrong with us? We're supposed to love each other like that. My friend, you've got to get it in your mind frame. This is a family I'm a part of. Do I get mad at them? Sure. Just like you do your real family. Do I get glad with them? You better. It's just like your own family. Do I help them? You better. They're your family. Matter of fact, the Bible says... If you don't hate your father, brother, mothers, and sisters, and your life also, you can't be my disciple. Now, he wasn't saying that a little since. He was saying, if you don't love me, you don't love me so much better than everything else that it looks like hate, then you don't love me enough. And what is his first commandment after loving him? Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. True love, love without hypocrisy. I gave you an example. Let me give you a couple of of, uh, things here. Love is not defined by what you feel, but by what you do. I don't have a a slide for that. I, I wish I'd have made one. I don't have a slide for this statement either. Love is not an emotion. Listen to me. Listen, kids. Listen, teenagers especially, those of you who haven't got married yet, love is not an emotion, it is a choice. Love is a choice you make. Now, if you follow God's directions and you get you a good man or you get you a good woman, guess what's going to follow? The emotions. We're going to talk about that here in a minute, the emotions. I think you ought to feel good about loving your family, Right? First Corinthians 13:4, love, now listen to this. love suffers long and it's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And you choose to do those things. Some of you, I know it. I, I know it. Uh, some of you, ladies, bless your heart, you got to live with that guy. I, I just don't know how some of you do it. Well, I know how you do it. You, you practice what I'm talking about. Oh, listen, some of you nagging women. Oh, that's for another church, not this church. How does your husband put up with you? Hey, we're all human, right? But love doesn't see that. Love doesn't look at the picadillos. Love is a choice and a decision that you've made, and you're going to love them. And I wish we'd be serious when we got in front of the church, God, and everybody, and said, uh, for better or for worse. And let me tell you something else. I think we ought to make people, when they join the church, say that to the church. Hello. For better or for worse. Well, anyway. Number two is tough love. Tough love. Say, now, Brother Ron, I understand that. I understand we ought to love one another in the church. But some people get unruly. Some people do wrong. Are we just supposed to overlook that? No. Let me ask you this your children were doing something wrong. Let's say you told your son or daughter, don't touch the stove, it's hot, and they went for it. What would you do? Pop them. Who said pop them? You abuser. No, I'm teasing. I would too. As they reach that hand up, whack! Don't do that. Or turn a spin around and spat them on the bottom. I told you don't do that. It'll burn you. Don't you understand? You don't let them do wrong things. You get on to them. When they lie, you punish them. When they backtalk or disobey, you punish them. And you should. And do it swiftly. Don't tell them you're going to do it and then not do it. Why? Why do you do that? Why do you get on your kids? Because you don't want them to hurt yourself. And number two, you don't want them to embarrass you. <laughs> don't do something embarrassing, embarrass me, son, daughter. Don't do it. Well, I want to tell you something. That's the same way in the church. Why should you live a holy life as a Christian? Because if you don't, you're going to bring down the name of Christ, the name of Antioch East, and your own name if people know that you're a Christian, right? Abhorring what is evil demands we confront those who are living in it. It is a very, very loving thing to go to somebody who is living in an unrepentant state of sin, not just every time somebody does something wrong. You understand that's not what discipline is. But if they won't quit doing it, to go to them privately, not get on the phone Not text about it to somebody else. You go to them privately and you confront them with it with your Bible open and with tears in your eyes and say, Dear brother, dear sister, I beg you, repent. Don't do it. If they don't hear that, you go and you get a witness. If they don't hear you and a witness, then that's when you bring it to the church. But usually it never gets past that first step if they're saved. Because God will use it. Look what it says. Abhor what, that which is evil. And then it says cling to that which is good. What does the word cling mean? It means glue. It means glue. Cling to what is good. Love without confronting a brother, brother's wrong. Uh, uh, let me back up. Love without confronting a brother's wrongdoing is, now listen, hypocritical love. Insincere love. Church restoration, as I like to call it. Now, it's always been known negatively as church discipline. But we're wanting to restore them. Church discipline or restoration is hard, but it's necessary. Now, you listen to me. Listen. It's not only hard. Now, listen, please. It is commanded and demanded by God. I have heard backslidden preachers and pastors say, Well, I know the Bible talks about church discipline, but you can't practice church discipline anymore. Then you're not a true church. You're not, or at least you're a church in error. You're not right. God demands holiness. I'm gonna tell you something. I demand, I demand faithfulness from this woman right here. She demands faithfulness from me. I want to tell you, God's no different with his bride. He demands holiness from his bride. That's holiness of individual members. This is an action woefully negligent in the church today. Now you hear me, failure to practice church discipline has been the power killer in most of our American churches. I mean, back years ago, back years ago, when you looked at the books, and you can see that they practiced, they were serious about church discipline. Even in our books, you can see it. And back then, they used to talk about shutting beer joints down. Back then, they used to talk about shutting brothels down. Back then, they used to talk about having revivals in town and two week protracted meetings and hundreds of people getting saved. What's changed? It's not God, it's not the gospel. I think it's the church that's not serious about sin and righteousness. Now, I don't, I, I'm preaching it in the wrong way. We go to people in, with tears and with meekness considering ourselves, yet, unless we should be tempted, but, but it's a, it, we have to do it. Then there's tender love. And this is the last one. I'm going to have to even stop this one short. Tender love. Look at it. Look at verse uh, 10. 10. Verse 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Now let's deal with the first part of that verse because this is good. Are you all ready? This is good stuff. Tender love. The word kindly affectionate means the mutual love of parents and children... And wives and husbands. Now, everybody's different. Everybody's different. You realize that. I am a very emotional person. I'm a very I don't know how to explain, it, but I am a very affectionate husband. I don't mean that to be funny. I am. I love holding hands. I like hugging my wife. I love kissing my wife. Woo! Glory to God, hallelujah. I'm a very affectionate person. And thank God I married a woman who is affectionate too. She's very affectionate. But I like to show love and I like to be shown love. How about y'all? Now some of you husbands, you have that, atti- that old attitude. I told her when I married her I loved her. If it ever changed, I'll let her know. I think she'll probably let you know before you let her know with that attitude. No, most normal people like to hold hands, like to hug the necks, of their and, 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 and especially their children. Isn't it funny, you know, Adrian, he's 23 now, I can't get him to run and jump my arms anymore. He won't do it. I don't know what's wrong with that kid. But used to, he'd see me and he'd jump. I told you the other day how I used to walk around churches and, and I'd stop and he'd bump into the back of me. He was always following me around. I said, come on up, up here, son uh Allison uh used to she's, she she's so sweet and huggy she's mean now y'all don't y'all think she's so sweet what a pretty voice she's meaner than a two headed rattlesnake i'm telling you <laughs> but when she was a little curly headed a little blonde curly headed girl oh she loved to play with daddy she loved to get up in daddy's lap she loved it and she was uh, so wonderful and she still does she's a she's a hugger and stuff but uh uh, but we we tend to think that's... that's We don't think anything about it. Our baby kids jumping in our lap. Our baby kids hugging them and kissing them. And, Ooh, go, 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 gang, go, go, and all that kind of stuff that you do. That's the kind of love he's talking about. Now, I don't think you ought to go to one another. You know, I says greet each other with a holy kiss. That doesn't mean go up and be kissing them and going, Go, go, go gang, go, gang. Don't do that. That's not what it means. But it means to have affection for one another. Tender thoughts. I've been having a lot of those here lately with the folks that God has taken home to be with Him lately. Have tender thoughts. You have to, you know, we we at funerals and things. We always talk about the good things about people, which is the way we ought to do. But I know someone sitting there. Well, he didn't know him like I knew him. No, I did. It's just not the time for it. Amen. It's time to remember how God's grace was good on her, on her and them. Tender thoughts that you have for your loved ones. I want to tell you what y'all do. This is an old saying, but it's good. Y'all ought to pass the roses out while they can smell them. Be tender now. Show your love. Listen, some of you, I'm not a hugger. I'm not not a physical person. But you can tell people, hey, I love you. You can tell someone, I appreciate you. You can tell someone, "I, I need you. You can tell someone, hey, would you pray for me? You can tell someone, I'm going to pray for you. You can love one another. You can be considerate of one another. Tenderness, tenderness, tenderness. Brotherly love, it says there. You know what the word brotherly there is? This is the Greek word, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, the city is what? The city of what? Brotherly love, that's where they got it. It's brotherly love, love of brothers and sisters, and I think the Bible is assuming that brothers and sisters have tender love. Adrian Allison, I whipped Adrian more for the way he treated his sister than anything he ever got whipped for. He just was rough with her and he'd treat her and call her names, and I wasn't having it. Now, guess what? Still doing it. Still doing it. (laughs) Texting to one another. And Adrian always acted on like my little sister. We were at a little spook house thing or something. We went through one time with the kids. And, and the Allison was a little bitty girl. And I said, Allison, I don't know. I don't think you ought to go through here. It might scare you. Oh, I want to go, Daddy. I'm fine. I'm definitely. And we got halfway through the thing. Those guys jumping out. And she started screaming and hollering. this one guy kept jumping out, kept jumping out. And finally, Adrian grabbed her, pushed her back, hit the guy and said, Didn't you hear her? She said she was scared. Well, they may not show it all the time, but they they dearly love one another. You're supposed to have that kind of love for your brothers, sisters, in Christ. We treat the church, now I'm going to do this and then we're finished. We treat the church like it's a club. Like it's a club to join, or a store to shop at, or a business to be ran When the Bible says the church is a family. This is why we have churches on every corners in our cities. Because people didn't get along and they didn't deal with it righteously. And this is why churches will take members from other churches even though they might be under discipline. Or never ask one reason. Why in the world would you leave a good church like that? Well, I didn't like the preacher preaching too long. The deacons wouldn't shake my hand. Shame on you. You're supposed to be faithful to your church like you are to your wife, like you are to your children, like you are to your family. Why? Because this church ought to be, not like, it ought to be your family. If you say, well, I just don't feel like I belong there. Don't blame us. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe you don't get in. Maybe you don't jump in. Well, no one talks to me. Well, then you go talk to them. If a man has friends, what does the Bible say? He must show himself friendly. If a man would have family, he must show himself family. And I want to tell you something. Antioch East Baptist Church is a great family. A great family. We're not the biggest. We're not the loudest. Well, your preacher's probably the loudest. <laughs> you folks are not the loudest. But we just do our job. I like that. We're just out here and we do it. We do simple. Believe me, I believe this. The more and more I see church, I'm watching a church right now. They're having all kinds of... Little trouble here, not bad. I think they'll survive. But it's just chaos, and the reason is it, they're trying to complicate. They're trying to make it a some kind of machine. All you have to do is show up on time. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Open your hymn book and sing. You say, "Brother, on." I can't sing. Then say it. Just say the words because that's worship. Pray. We praise. We pray. And then we demand that our preachers preach and teach us the Word of God. We love one another. We go and eat. And we just have a good time in Jesus. It's not that hard.